Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Perfect Bound Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related, brought to you by the panel jumper and comics dungeon. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is Nicole Lamb. Hello. Chris Casso. Hello. And of course, Mr. Cole Hornaday. Hey, friends. How's everybody doing this evening? Good. Mm-hmm. Good. You know, I'm looking around the table thinking, you know, the, the, the comics that everybody else has to review, they're just so much more exciting looking than mine. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, it's it's not fair. I don't know. You know? You've got some, like, got some monster Moreau. guys yeah. going on over okay. there. Some well, good yeah. histories. Uh, okay, well, thanks for saying that. Because I, I know you're saying that because you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll figure out how terrible your comics are, Cole, during Bookport later on. Soon enough. They can't be so terrible because I'm going to give up on one of these and just talk about Chira. So. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. All right. I feel better now. Thank you. Hey, so today is the middle of September. <laughs> September 16th, to be specific. <laughs> and we have some something special coming up in a couple weeks what is it it's the panel and jumper live chapter eight. Oh my god we've done seven of these we're about to do eight of them i'm so excited cole's doing windmills with his arms sadly we're not recording <laughs> Turn this into for a video muppet. <sighs> yeah i am well, that would be more like ah! but this is more like i don't know like you're washing the box you're trapped inside of (laughs) this is bad mime (laughs) anyway well mine stuck in a glass piece of emotion (laughs) (laughs) anyway Uh, cole yeah chapter panel dipper live chapter eight who who are we gonna see oh this is uh you know i'm always excited about these shows uh but uh this time Probably, perhaps even more so. So, straight up, we've got uh, music by singer-songwriter Kate Farrell, um, and she reveals her love of sky watching by serenading us with tunes to illuminate the cosmos and rock the very spheres. Liam White, uh, actor Liam White of the Umo Ensemble, howls down the moon with an excerpt from his astounding new solo piece, American Volver. Yes, he's going to be a wolfman for us. Playwright Anthea Carnes has uh, written an all-new, all-original short play directed by uh, Rachel Delmar, um, and it's, uh, I do believe it's a send-up of uh, one of our favorite space operas, uh, that it, it, at least I know that the piece is guaranteed to tickle our tiny, <laughs> excuse me, tickle our funny bone and regale us into the final frontier. Do you see what I did there? Or tickle our tiny bone. <laughs> Something's wrong with your tummy. Uh, uh, we're also... Uh, Super excited to share the world premiere screening of the latest Panel Jumper episode, Say It Loud. And this is a very special episode. It is co-written and co-hosted by myself and my very good friend, Andrew Lee Creech. Uh, Andrew and I will explore the history and inspiration of black superheroes in American comic book culture. A very special industry guest is award-winning, award-winning Native American artist and writer, Jeffrey Varagi, who has work that's on display right now at the Smithsonian. His artwork offers a a powerful blending blending of Northwest Coast form line and pop culture icons. Uh, We'll have the double honor of having uh, Mr. Varagi sit down, or rather stand up with us, (laughs) and do a live recording of the Perfect Bound podcast. I'm going to ask him about Transformers. I'm going to ask about Transformers. I have so many things to ask him about, like Godzilla, too. Why do we do that standing up? It's so exhausting. Uh, Why can't we sit down for the live podcast? Personally, I need that. Yeah, we could. You know know what? She's got a really good point. It would mean more furniture. (laughs) It would mean more furniture. And we will wrap up the evening... uh, uh, with uh, the ethereal beauty and outrageous elegance of burlesque artist Vixen Valentine. So please be there. Great. It'll be a marvelous show. Yeah, thank you, Cole. And if you've ever been to one of our live shows before, they're always a whole lot of fun. 
Buy your tickets at thepanelandjumperlive.com, wherever you buy your tickets. And uh, yeah, Friday, September 27th, 8 p.m. at Fremont's own West of Lennon. And I'd give you the address, but I don't know it. The address is, drumroll please, West of Lennon can be located at 203 North 36th Street in Seattle, Washington, 98103. And you can get your tickets online, of course, at westoflennon.com. Yeah, and if you're familiar with the Fremont area, west of Lennon is just about west of Lennon. Lennon. The Lennon statue. The Lennon statue. That's right. Which is how we got its name. I think uh, yes, uh, one of our one of our, our friends, Eric Ray Anderson, was talking with mm-hmm. West of Lennon proprietor AJ Epstein, and AJ's like, I can't, I can't think of a name for my new performance space. And Eric's like, Well, where is it? And AJ says, Well, it's about 500 uh, meters west of Lennon. And Eric's like, well, there you go. There you go. I forget the exact dimensions. It was something. It's okay. Yeah. Anyway. It's like three blocks. <laughs> three blocks. Not quite a quarter mile. Anyway. Thank you, Cold. Yeah. 20 paces as the crow turns. <laughs> the panel jumper live. Chapter eight. Chapter, Chapter eight. eight. Go to the panel go to the paneljumper.com for tickets. Hey friends, let's start talking about things we're gonna talk about today. Hey, this caught my eye. <laughs> Brian Talbot's Luther Arkwright's gonna return in so 2022. Cool. Apparently he's already written it. Uh, the Legend of Luther Arkwright's gonna be published by Jonathan Cape in the UK and Dark Horse here in the States. Uh, yeah, he, apparently he's already he's already written it. He's just gotta start drawing it. Well, and he um, you know, he got a little bit lazy with his creative style over the years. He got more, uh, he started doing the the Granville, Granville, which is very, very simple computer illustration mm. and Photoshop. Mm. Well, Welcome to Sunderland <laughs> was really, really just a lot of lot amateurish of Photoshop. I guess. But he the, was experiencing with new media that he, he was unfamiliar was, with. He was, he was, and unfortunately, he did it in both or three cases. He did it with hardbound books, which I purchased and was a little bit disappointed in because I was looking for the detail that would be found in, like you know, his uh, his uh, amazing. Uh, Opus uh, One Bad Rat, Tale of One Bad Rat, and of course all the pre- previous um, uh, Luther Arkwright books. So I'm hoping that it'll be that level, that attention to detail in his illustrations as he's. I'm hoping that the like past. the second Arkwright book, that Arkwright's like barely in it, because <laughs> that was my well, first Arkwright book, and I like it more than the first book, which is about Arkwright. Right. And I just like the idea that he shows up like at the last quarter, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, everybody! Oh crap, mm-hmm. things are bad." <laughs> well, what I do hope for is that Octoberiana will figure uh, prominently in the story as you know because I referenced her that's how I discovered her actually uh, discovered that she was actually a real thing and then I you know if you, you can see the episode that we did but there was the comic and then there was that that, that weird little book that turned out to be a hoax about October you know yeah and that's why this story caught my eyes because mm-hmm. the first time I'd ever heard of Luther Arkwright exactly. is, is when uh, he was mentioned in one of our the, our very second panel jumper episodes lo these six years ago oh god <laughs> it hasn't been that long. You're lying to me. Lying. Well, anyway, the Arkwright books seem to, you know, the last one was about 20 years ago, which seems to be on pace for the Arkwright books because yep. it was first serialized in 1978. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're really good. Me, it wasn't Tales of Sunderland. It was Alice in Sunderland. It was Alice in Sunderland. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, if you haven't had a chance to read The Heart of the Empire, that's the second Arkwright book. It's really good. You don't have to read the first one. Um, and if you just like alternate history uh, with some really messed up multiversal horror stories, it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. It's you almost wonder if a lot of it did not inspire Grant Morrison's Invisibles and that sort of thing because clearly uh, it, it, uh, 
Talbot's work did inspire a lot of people um, in the independent uh, comics community. Um, but I, I am really looking forward to this next series. Yeah, and if you're uh, if Luther Arkwright doesn't really interest you, but you really like the Doctor Who TV series, there was a three-hour audio drama starring David Tennant as Luther Arkwright that you could That's probably right. find on an internet near you. That's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Well, we so listen to that. Uh, Whoites? Whoville? What do we call? Fans of Doctor Who, Whovians, Whovians. Yeah, I was not sure what you were af- asking and maybe, about. And maybe you'll you'll find interest in the uh, uh, a Doctor Who character of his own, Luther Arkwright. We could call them Whoers. Who? <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, uh. Last <laughs> Last week we had a discussion about this weird boom that's happening. This uh, comics boom, where speculators are just buying up a bunch of uh, of comics that you can't that people can't seem to plan for. And by people, I mean some are also you. published by Boom. Ah, yes, some are also <laughs> yeah. published by Boom. Oh, we we'll see what um, we get there. Another another one. I was over here and Chris telling Cole about this earlier. Yeah. Something is killing the children was all hoovered up by the speculators when it was released just yeah. uh, yesterday. Just yesterday. I put limit of one per customer. And I mean, I didn't have many hit the shelf because the thing is I ordered about 20 across all the covers, which doesn't sound too high. But uh, when it comes to a new title where nobody's pre-ordered and they usually can't return this stuff, that's a lot of copies for a store. It's a gamble well, at 4 or $5 our each. Our store is about half of Dungeon at, at least. And mm. I did maybe six. Right. Um, and I thought it looked cool, but again, I didn't really have any people on it. And before issue one even came out, there was a fourth printing on yeah. the way. That means <laughs> is this speculation first, second, third, based fourth. on like really, really great rave reviews? I, I'm having trouble. I don't know where it's coming from. Overwhelming early support. Yeah. So is just what pre, just like pre-orders <clears throat> from retailers just kept going. It could up be and pre-orders up. going up. I can see that some sometimes they release like a. Um, uh, sample and maybe they that did made do it, it out. for that. Yeah, yeah. So that could have helped it a bit. Um, so I don't want to necessarily say that them going to fourth printing before the release was a speculator issue, but I do want to say that disappearance on the day of release <laughs> is the speculator issue. True. Um, and uh, so yeah, like I, all my copies gone. I've already ordered. I tried ordering the second and third print. I can't even keep track now because sometimes when we order the second and third print of these books, they instantly get turned into the third or fourth print mm. and they they push my order into those they automatically roll they roll it over oh, um so like i got the third print of once in future also from boom mm-hmm. this week and i never got the second print so it's like uh, okay whatever i get what i get at this point yeah um so I, I guess it was supposed to be a limited series but now it's been promoted to ongoing yeah that's, that's definitely the uh, the editor and the publisher being like you're making money yeah keep, keep going keep it going yeah, yeah. yeah. it's uh from from uh, James Tinney in the fourth and Werther Del Adera. Yeah. I guess. I mean, it looked sure. pretty good. It looked pretty good. So. And Chris, you've and read the first issue, right? I've, I read the first issue. Yeah. Okay. Did you read it? No. No. Gotcha. I don't read comics. Anyway. <laughs> I don't read comics. <laughs> I don't read comics anyway. So I'll keep spoilers to a minimum, but I can at least do a quickie review today about it. Please. Yeah. All righty. Um, cool. Really love to know from the publisher side, and I know I've talked about this on the podcast many times, of just what's going on with this print situation with comics, because you look at House of X and Powers of X, or Powers of Ten, excuse me, and uh, 
it's just like they immediately back order and maybe they'll get new printings in, but this current one they don't have. And it's like Marvel always has stuff go to back order. Right. And it's like you're a huge company. Like, how are you not getting some of this on better lock? Like, yeah. why is it so consistent? Right. And then the same thing with Boom. Like, why are you going to a fifth printing before you've even come out? I have this theory that they have a publishing plan because have you noticed a lot of books these days now have final printing listed on them yes because they want to make sure that a lot of these are gone so that only the trades can be purchased at a certain point Mm -hmm. so i they also like the idea of people being like it's so important it went the second print immediately right so it gives it a little bit of a a extra shine to it and so I think Marvel, that's a lot of them. They're just being like, yeah, we printed a good chunk, but we want people to be so excited that they're like, oh, man, it's a hot thing. I could only get the second print. Yeah. I guess I get that mentality. It's just when you have something that's a weekly that's coming out and your number one has a new printing coming out a month from now, Mm -hmm. it's like you're going to lose that new traction. Yeah. And the speculator game's gonna make it so that it's even harder to get if you're just a reader because yeah. people are gonna try to scoop up new printings. I have that happening at my store as well. So I just, I'd love, if anyone listens who is in the publishing game, I would love to talk to you because <laughs> I really don't get it. It doesn't make sense from a retail point of view. And Diamond is always so nebulous. It's not in print or out of print. It's back order not stocked, which is question mark, question mark, question mark. Shoulder shrugs. Shoulder shrugs <laughs> at best. Status. Shrug emoji. Yes. <laughs> that would actually <laughs> no, make more sense. That's literally what it is. Yeah. 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 I'd rather it would be a yes or a no instead of a we don't know. You yeah. Know. So. Yeah, it's great giving people nebulous ideas of when something may or may not come in. Like yeah. that just totally works from a retail point of view. <laughs> from uh, <laughs> just as a quick example, we never received our copies of House of X number three, and uh, they charged us but forgot to pack them. <laughs> so the thing is, it was already back order as soon as that happened. Yep. And like uh, I was trying to contact our representative. Turns out he was like fired that day. So I was yelling at the void. Oh, geez. Um, but uh, so the thing is, like it's back order. And so I have customers being like, when are you going to get your replacements? And it's just like, I have no idea. If it's, they will even come in. If they'll even come in. Or am I going to have to give you a second or third print? Yeah. You know? So we're trying, but uh, that that nebulous void is is not fun. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but whatever. Yeah, it must be hard trying to, to uh, manage what you're going to order, you know, I feel the like road. the distributor is the nothing from the never-ending story. Accurate. <laughs> it is just kind of like consuming things until the end of time. <laughs> and there's a wolf randomly trying to kill you. <laughs> the Gamorg. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about the the uh, ins and outs of printing all day. Like, I have a question. If they know they're going to go to second and third printing, well, they just increase the numbers on the first printing. Right. That's my question. That's yeah. what I want to know. Or is it what just, are y'all doing? Or are they just, do they have a set numbers to, uh, to increase uh, the, 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 the value of it. Devil's advocate real quick on this one. It is expensive because I once read a report that broke down the cost of making a comic and essentially one issue of a run costs like a small house, like $250,000. So I can see them being like, no, we're only going to go so far because it's going to be reprinted in the trade. You know, if it's really successful, we'll, we'll, you know, they have a percentage rate, like an algorithm that says like, eh, for the X-Men, go up an extra 25% past your normal print run. Mm-hmm. But for uh, She-Hulk, 
five eh, percent, you know, something like that. Yeah. So I can see them being like, we we ain't made out of money, even though we are because we're Disney. But <laughs> Disney will kill us if we don't make money. So I I could kind of see that All as right. a reason. And like my speculation with things like Boom and stuff like that is that they get their pre-orders from Diamond, and uh, they were like, we should probably go to a second print. Right. And they have a set number, like we're gonna do 10,000 units or something, I don't know. And then that goes into the, the printing cycle, which is way far in advance. Right. And then they get the pre-orders on those numbers and realize, oh, we need to go to a third printing. Yeah. And then do that whole thing and set that whole thing up. So like as time is going, just like with us of House and Powers where we thought we had our numbers and yeah. then we're selling consistently and can't keep up with it. Yes. I feel like that could be a similar thing happening with the publishing houses as well. That feels like exactly the case, I bet. Yeah. 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 All right, well. Glad we solved this. Exactly. Thing, I feel much better. I <laughs> can sleep at night. Solving problems here on the Perfect Bound Podcast. Well, speaking of a book that's not going to have to worry about whether it's going to second printing, Aliens, Colonial Marines, uh. colon, Rising <laughs> Threat from Dark Horse. Uh, well, Dark Horse has canned it because uh, writer Brian Wood has fallen under yet another inappropriate behavior allegation, this time from Comics Alliance founder Laura Hudson, who first tweeted about her experience with Brian Wood. So of cagely and then was convinced to out him via Twitter. But this isn't the first time Brian's gotten himself in trouble. It, he's done it a lot over a very long yeah. period of time. Yeah. It's a pattern a pattern of behavior, and Dark Horse has decided to, to just cut aliens, colonial marines, colon, rising threat. Mm-hmm. And uh, no word yet on the <laughs> other Dark Horse titles uh, Wood rising is connected threat. with. Well, but, like, DMZ's yeah. been... Um, is that not an ongoing series? No. That's long gone. Is it long gone? Okay. Yeah. But uh, this, this all solves a problem I had where I was like, because they're still popular. There's people who are like, ooh, do you have Northlanders, Volume 3, blah, blah, blah. And I just generally haven't cared to restock, but there's a demand. And I was putting it off recently. I'm like, there's a really good reason not to right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, if somebody wants it, I'll order it for you. Yeah. Whatever. But uh, I don't feel the need to stock his stuff right now. It's just another one of those instances where can you can you feel comfortable enjoying art by bad, even good art by bad people? Mm-hmm. Or should feel, you hit them where, the, where it hurts the most and that's their pocketbook? I feel bad for the artists that worked with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this the, there's a ripple effect here. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure yes. that's happening. Yep. Anyway, so hopefully you weren't looking forward to that title. And uh, <laughs> there'll be five other Aliens miniseries yeah, soon, okay. so yeah. you'll be fine. Finally, speaking of something <laughs> a little bit more wholesome, Marvel has teased a secret Scotty Young project. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, sorry. Nicole made some uh, heaving I motions. Some- Bad gestures. It's fine, guys. We're not recording. I thought Scotty Young yeah. was a favorite. Do we? Uh, no, how do we feel about a secret Scotty Young project from Marvel? I don't have a problem with Scotty Young. I just feel like it's the e- secret promotion. The secret. Oh, it's the, that whole thing. Yeah, the whole yeah. Marvel marketing thing yeah. where it's all hyperbole and all, it's like you don't really need. You just say Scotty Young. I'll take your money now. That's yeah. all you need to do. Yeah, exactly. You know, there doesn't need to be secrets. Secrets. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Um, that, the hyperbole is a lot of fun on things because <laughs> when we'd underorder, then they're like, we said it was going to be important. It's like, you say that about everything. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, I'm going to order high on Scotty Young anyway because I have dedicated fans, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, uh, is, Marvel wants you to sign up to be the first to learn about the secret project. Um, 
Uh, and you have the potential to earn up to 10,000 of Marvel's insider points. What the <laughs> heck are those? This is going to be that currency for that uh, horrible dystopian future that Cole's afraid of. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> when Disney, Disney takes over. Oh, it's like, do you have mouse points? Do you How have many insider points? Do Where you are your mouse points? It'll take 500 mouse points, but 1,000 Marvel points on top of that oh. to unlock your third Hulu subscription. I'm sorry you are five mouse points shy. To cross the border, <laughs> I only, I only have, I only have bunny points. How much is a mouse point in worth in bunny points? Your bunny points are only good at the Warner border. Oh, but we'll be buying Warner next week. I thought I was at the Warner. <laughs> After we buy Hasbro, <laughs> moving on. Okay, let's move on to book report. Well, this is fun, you guys. This is fun. <laughs> Cole Hornaday, what do you want to tell us about? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm going to talk about a book that made me extraordinarily happy this week. Um, It's IDW's um, uh, adaptation of H.G. Wells' The Island of Dr. Moreau. And it's it's, uh, adapted by Ted Adams and Gabriel Rodriguez. Uh, Rodriguez, as you may recall, is the extraordinary artist from uh, Joe Hill's um, Lock and Key series. Uh, I think that, and this is a, this is very much a, a close adaptation of the the Wells novel. Now, bear in mind, I know this story inside out, upside down, and backwards. I've seen all three film versions, you know, numerous times. Read comic reports. I have never read the novel. It's like. Do you know the story of, of War of the Worlds? Of course you do. Have you ever sat down and read the novel? Do you know the story of H.U.L.'s The Time Machine? Of course you do. Mm-hmm. Have you ever sat down and read the novel? I because actually have read that. Good job. Good job. But, I had know, to for school. And the, or The Invisible yeah, Man. It's like these stories have, have permeated our popular culture. And, you know, you stop and go, wait a second. Did I read that or was it that film version? So regardless of all that... This is uh, a beautifully, beautifully illustrated book. Um, from to my recollection, it sticks pretty close to the to the source. We'll just say the source material because, in my mind, the source material is not just the book; it's the movies as well. However, the twist is the time period setting is the same. It's, it's the late 1800s, but the protagonist has been swapped out for a woman, and she's um, uh, and she's a, 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 a biologist who gets uh, you know cast adrift uh, and winds up on the island of Moreau, and she very quickly realizes that the local denizens are a little bit weird. As a matter of fact, they bear strong resemblances to wildlife. And then, of course, she interrupts her host, uh, performing hideous vivisection and um, uh, uh, experiments on um, on animals. the pieces together. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, uh, uh, Rodriguez is is such a truly extraordinary uh, illustrator. He he is drawing, you know, the hybrid human animals, and they are plausible. But he also includes details like. They're um, surgical scars. So there are these the the mandrels and the apes and the uh, and the and the boar people. But they all have these like strategically located scars where you go, I buy that. I buy that. That's how this madman made these people. Um, and, and I don't know if I've ever really take a mo- took a moment to think about what this story says about man's inhumanity to man, but also that uh, inherent urge to act 
the role of God whenever possible. And of course, Monroe, or Moreau rather, is a madman, but there is this method to his madness that you get your head around ultimately, and it's really, really freaking scary. And I think that's what makes this a terrific horror story. Um, do you, Chris, do you know how long this is, series is going to run? I thought it was going to be two issues. Yeah, Only I think two? It was just two wow. issues. Oh, yeah. that's a bummer because I would happily read uh, six issues of this. Does it feel like you're halfway through the story? Um, um, no. I would believe it if it was stretched to four. Um, beyond that would be padding, even though I just love the artwork and everything. So, um, <laughs> But is Val you, Kilmer in it? No, Val Kilmer. <laughs> no, because, because Ellen has taken over the Val Kilmer role. Okay. Or the, um, the Michael York role. Mm. Or I can't remember who played it in the original Charles Lawton version. That was a long time ago in the 30s. Uh, and it was actually not even called Island of Dr. Moreau. It was called the Island of Lost Souls. Mm. It was featured Bella Lugosi as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so if it's only two issues, um, I would recommend waiting for the trade, but don't pass it up because it's it's really, really, really going to be a, a beautiful uh, horror story, and I recommend it. That's going to be one skinny trade. Yep. Oh, they'll make it a hardcover. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll probably be a little over. With IDW, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. A bunch of extra Rodriguez uh, art uh, artwork. Thank you, Cole Hornet, sure. the island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, Nicole Lamb, what do you got for us? It's always a toss-up. Who are you going to choose know, on this a, book report? It's quite random. Yes. Um, I read, wait, what? A Comic Book Guide to Relationships, Bodies, and Growing <laughs> Up by Heather Karina. Isabel Rotman and colored by Luke B. Howard. This is a sex education, um, an age appropriate sex education that is made for young people, like I'd probably say middle school uh, up. Um, and it is, I don't know, I don't remember how much of, I think some of the writers work for Scarletine. There's a little, um, Sorry, tired. There's a little bit of an introduction in the front that's talking about, you know, what the guide is. And here are some resources. There's a website for Scarletine, which is uh, targeted to teenagers and people in their 20s. And it's just scarletine.com. They have thousands of pages of uh, accurate and inclusive information, um, more so than this book. This book is really made as kind of a primer to go and read other material deeper. You know, it's kind of an overview of sexual education and maybe some questions that young people might have about about things that are happening to their body and that type of thing. There is also a, um, a book that... Um, Heather wrote and Isabel also illustrated called Sex, the All You Need to Know Sexual Guide to Get You Through Your Teens and Twenties. Um, so if you do get this book and you want more, um, you can go and read that book as well. Uh, it starts off with giving you a few different characters, Rico, Malia, Max, Sam, and Alexis. And they're all friends and they hang out at the lunch table and they talk about everything, you know. Um, and it starts with them talking about how everybody how you know everybody progresses through their bodily changes in different times and your own like sex life and stuff progresses differently you know if you hit puberty at eight you know you might also hit puberty at 12 you know like different people have different due dates so to so to speak you know you might have your first kiss uh, at 11, you might have your first kiss when you're 26, you know, like it's all, it's all different for different people. And they have this little mascot called the weird platypus. And it's just a platypus with kind of like a, a, a hat with a little spinner on top. 
and he's he's weird. He's weird. Mm-hmm. He's but he's he's telling you that weird is okay. Um, so it just each page goes through different things. Tells you what puberty is, stages of puberty. Um, if you have certain pieces, parts, you know what are things that you can see that may happen with puberty. Um, there's a lot of stuff on gender identity and sexual identity. Uh, talking about masturbation. There's even a page where they warn you on page 23, just so you know, there's a whole bunch of genitals on the next page Mm -hmm. because the purpose of that is to show that there are many different shapes and sizes. Everybody's a little different and there's absolutely nothing wrong with how you are. So that's really nice. It's a self-acceptance. There's also activities within the book. You can even draw the genitals with like dotted lines, (laughs) which is kind of funny. Um, There's a little bit of like paper dolls in here of talking about gender identity. There's somebody who is gender fluid. Um, um, Sam, I think, is gender fluid. Um, And it talks about, you know, sometimes they want to be a little girly. Sometimes they want to be a little masculine. And that and that's just how they feel. And like their sister is a trans girl and she talks about being trans they talk about crushes and dating and consent and sex and um it just it really does a really good overlay it even talks about like what it means to be a virgin they call that section um the problematic ideas because there is this idea that being a virgin and that's speaking specifically about pretty much straight penetrative sex that that is like not okay or that if it, if you do do it it's not okay you know like the double standard of women versus men that happens they also do a note on that where like it's okay for guys to have sex but you know if a woman has sex then like she's looked at as not good and that's not a good thing there are things like double standards that you need to consider kind of stuff um and the the one thing that i liked the best out of this book was assemble your super team and there was people to have around you to build up so that you always have somebody to talk to about things and if you don't have that that there are resources through scarletine that that can help you with that. Um, so, you know, it's like having a best friend, having a parental figure, having a mentor, and then having your league, which is like your friends, you know, that you can talk to. And there's even a little worksheet that tells you, you, you how you can make your super team. You can write out all those different things. And then um, there's even a little note from Heather and Isabel that talk about, um, just speak specifically to the reader. And just tell them, like, you are worthy, you know, never doubt, you know, your worthiness and never, like, do anything that you don't want to do kind of thing, which is really beautiful. And I think one of the most important things in this Wait What book is there's a glossary in the back. Now, as I was reading this, I thought, you know, they're talking about people with vaginas and people with penises and people of, like, man, woman, gender, or maybe not anything. But they didn't really talk about intersex. And that's something that is kind of sometimes input into the LGBTQ plus spectrum. And it's something that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, But there is a section in the glossary that tells you what intersex is. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to read the entirety of the book to not be like, well, I know these things or I don't need to know this stuff because it does have extra information in there. Um, so it is 11, uh, or it's $12. A lot of information. A lot of information. Um, I felt that they did a pretty good job with trying to include as many people as possible and to just give you like a cursory, like, what is this? What is that? And they, oh, there's another section in there talking about social media and like YouTuber 
YouTubers and like the beauty gurus and all that kind of stuff where it's like, you may see a lot of stuff on the internet and just know that it's not necessarily real. Like there's a chef on there that has like, I did this beautiful cupcake in one step, you know, like I did it. And then like in the back, there's like a trash can full of cupcakes, you know? So um, I think it's a really good guide just to get somebody started on stuff. And then they give so many good resources to branch out into that. Uh, I think it's a very valuable resource mm-hmm. and it's one of the Limerus press uh, publishers, which is the uh, like erotica imprint over at Oni. Um, this one is just really good. I'm know all of you who have listened enough know that I'm really passionate about sex education so I'm looking at maybe getting this for you know little, the little ones in my life who may or may not be getting that sort of information so mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. wait what wait what <laughs> thanks <laughs> Nicole and Chris Cassell what do you got for us uh, so we mentioned something is killing the children so I read a copy before they disappeared <laughs> and um so uh, it is written by James Tinian the Fourth, fourth and Werther de Ladera and Mikel Muerto. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a pen name. Michaela Muerto. That's a Mikhail. pen name. Oh, Michaela Muerto. Mark <laughs> Michaela. So, uh, <laughs> so we were mentioning before uh, um, Cole had mentioned that it sounded a little derivative, and I yeah. do believe yeah. it is. Okay. Um, it, for me, it's more about the presentation mm-hmm. um, because so the, the basic idea is something is killing the children in the woods. That's it, and uh, there's there's some kids, and and one of them is uh, you know talking to the police, and something horrible happened, but he won't tell them exactly what, and so there's a, a young woman who has like a, a monster mask who emerges from the woods in a different town, and she's apparently butchered some horrible creature, and so you're following her, she's going town to town, killing the monsters that live in the forest or under the bridge or whatever, and that's the basic gist of it like it, it just kind of hits you right off the bat with that so it's it's right now uh we're, we're in that period of time where plucky children with uh um bicycles are like a genre um <laughs> because you called it the amblin yeah i was uh, like it's the amblin subgenre it's the amblin yeah. subgenre <laughs> so this is this is another one of those in my mind but it's a little bit harsher in the representation of the violence to the children and also the PTSD element of that for them. Um, There was some strong characterization I liked, and I do like the art a lot. Mm -hmm. It uh, reminded me of uh, a darker Tim Sale and uh, a little bit sharper lines in Tim Sale because his people turn into marshmallow peeps sometimes. Mm-hmm. And marshmallow peeps? Yeah. Yeah. If you, uh, <laughs> I thought I meant charcoal. <laughs> no, the Tim Sale Superman looks like a big old marshmallow peep to me because he's big and fluffy and he looks delicious. Do you think this is possibly like a. Um, no, peeps aren't delicious. A Pied Piper premise? Because uh, I read a review of it and I'm like, oh, this sounds like it could be a take on the Pied Piper kind of. Huh. I don't quite see that, but okay. it's early in the game. All right. Um, All right. Pied Peeper. Pied Peeper. Pied Peeper. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's worth reading. I liked it. Um, if you can get your hands on it. If you can get your hands on it. We'll have the seventh printing <laughs> oh, arrive in like th- I, three I weeks. Or I guess something. that was my question. Know. My big question for you is it worth the hoopla? Yeah. Hmm. Well, if you got to think about I, that no, long. No, no, yeah. I liked it. 
Um, I, I am intrigued. I want to keep going. It's, it, but I do feel the hoopla is uh, odd. I don't want to say it doesn't deserve it because I want to support, you know, creator-owned small right. publishers. And it stuff. looks like a solid mm-hmm. book, and it's well put together, you know. So I don't want to say it's not worth that hoopla. It's just there's some weird hoopla happening. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, true. Yeah, no, so. <laughs> James Tinney the Fourth likes doing horrible things to children, just like Alex DeCampi does. Because he did the he woods. Did the woods. Yeah. He also did Backstagers, which ended up being extremely heartwarming. Yes. But there were ghosts. There were ghosts. There were yeah. terrible things. Um, well, that's a theater, right? Backstagers? Yeah. 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 Ghosts, they're, of course. They're, 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 ghosts, of course. <laughs> the drama club kids, aren't they? Yeah. They were Something stage like crew kids. Stage, stage crew kids. They weren't cool enough for I, the drama. You know, I really need to read that book, all <laughs> things considered. Yeah, you considered. do. It's going to warm your heart. Yeah. Read Something is Killing the Children, then read Backstagers. Okay. <laughs> I am intrigued by this, but I don't know. What's it going? I'm anal. I would try to get a first print, and I probably would regret it. I'm doing that do, with Dead End Kids right now, trying to get my hands on that. I do like the title, though. Yep, the yeah, title is It's great. a good title. Yeah. Uh, just a really quick thing. I think I just want to talk about it. This is the unlocked retailer variant I'm looking at right now. <laughs> so back yeah. and board that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the trick is um, a lot of publishers have tons of variants, and some publishers got into the thing of like, what if we just call it like the, the special subscription variant? Mm. And the thing is, this one, the, the unlocked retailer, Retailer variant is the FOC variant, which is final order final cut order off. cutoff. It's yeah. only made available to retailers if they bother to do their final order cutoffs, which is a digital only order form. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're not paying attention, or if you're a retailer that don't do those, you never saw this, mm-hmm. and you can never order it after the FOC window closes. So that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an obnoxious thing. I mean, it's kind of it's it's a nice cover. This is a Jenny Frisian cover. Yeah. But uh, it just that that idea of like that weird limited uh, availability that punishes the retailer if they don't, you know, <laughs> stay after work till, you know, another extra couple <laughs> hours. It's just like, oh, whatever, guys. There's also the pre-order variants which I think are on our initial like previews orders. Yeah. Yes. Wasn't that one like the J. Lee one or yeah. something? Yeah, and that's supposed yeah. to be the, the, the equivalent of the sub-variant and whatever. And you have to do it at that order. And I think you can do it no, by final order. you can do that anytime you want on that whatever. one. Anyway. Yeah. But they have some ones that, that you can only do it on the order. And then it's never available to order again. So it's a bundle order. And if you order five of it, you will always get five of the special bundle order in the future. But you can never add to that order after that point. I'm tired of this. Moving it's on. It's so confusing. <laughs> it's a lot, wow. man. It's a lot. Oh, it's a wow. Lot. Just I know, got a major headache. Just, trying to track just know this is our life. Yeah. And How give us you? sweet things. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> give me food. <laughs> Something is, something is killing the children. Thank you, Chris. Well, that is, brain. <laughs> that is book report, and that is our show. Coming up is quiz time. But before we go, I want to tell you that the Perfect Bound podcast is brought to you by The Panel Jumper. See everything Cole Hornaday and I do at thepanelandjumper.com, where you can go buy your tickets to The Panel Jumper Live Chapter 8, which is happening on September 27th, as well as Comics Dungeon Hit 319 Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford, or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at comicsdungeon.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or however you get your podcasts at perfectboundpodcast.com. Send us an email, perfectboundpodcast at gmail.com. And our friends, get your quiz hats on. It's quiz time. And this week, the questions come to us from Mr. Cole Hornaday. Late on us, Cole. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. And every week you do that. And every no, week I'm, I'm not going to buy it. I save it sometimes. I almost okay. believed you this time. Did you? Yeah. Shakespeare School. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this, hey, this PB 
quiz time is inspired by the astounding and triumphant return of Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal with yeah. the Netflix prequel series The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. As the show is still taking root in popular consciousness, these queries will only pertain to the original 1982 film to avoid spoilers and Skeksis ire. So please sit back and enjoy mm-hmm. a Dark Crystal quiz time, aka Through a Crystal Darkly, or What Was Sundered and Undone. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of Skexis, uh, true or false, those hideous and deformed overlords of the planet Thra did not speak English in the film's early previews. Did not speak English. False. True. <laughs> what is it, Chris? True. True. They did not speak English. In fact, they had uh, the, uh, the the screenwriters had constructed a language based on Greek and Egyptian, uh, devised by uh, excuse me, devised by author Alan Garner. Co-creator Jim Henson was convinced that the visuals alone would be plenty to, uh, hmm. for the audience to figure out what the Skeksis were saying, but was proven wrong when he showed a rough cut to of uh, the Chamberlain's banishment scene to Muppet Show writer Jerry Jewell. Jewell was soon begging Henson to have the Skeksis speak English so people would understand what the hell is going on. All Mystic and Skeksis vocals were dubbed in between the first and second showings for executives. Wow. Next, the Podlings, the race of earthy bohemian creatures who raised the Gelfling Kira after her parents were murdered by the insectoid Garthim, were originally designed with multiple eyes and meant to mimic this tuberous foodstuff. Potatoes? They were meant to look like potatoes. <laughs> uh, the multi, unfortunately, the multi-eye design concept turned out to be a little bit too unnerving, so it was scrapped. So now they uh, they look like shaved hams. <laughs> Those. They're still per- creepy looking. And when they're looking into the crystal, that's that image of that one podling just getting like fried. Yeah. It's yeah. just yeah. burned into my brain as a yeah. kid. Excuse me, the joke was now they look like shaved yams, not hams. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> It is a late into the evening yeah. show. What is the name of the squalling, rolling ball of fur and teeth that Gelfling Kira kept as her companion? Fizzgig. Fizzgig, very good. <laughs> Please identify the giant rabbit-like grasshopper hybrid creatures. Uh, Jen and Kira ride to the castle of the Skeksis. Sky Riders? Close. Sky... Sky Striders? Sky Striders. Sky Closer. Runners. Closer. Sky, Sky Croppers. <laughs> no, they're on the ground, guys. They're Sky on the ground. Grounders. Ground Striders? <laughs> oh, Ground Riders. Ground Grounders. Land Striders. Land Striders. <laughs> that was... Actually, that was beautiful, that whole process. <laughs> Lastly, why doesn't Jen the Gelfling have wings? Because he's a man. Because he's a boy. He's a boy. Boys don't have wings. That's right. (laughs) And that is quiz time. Well, thank you, Cole. And thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. 